You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Good morning. Glad you guys are here. You can, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Genesis. Uh, it's the long-awaited series of Genesis. We're excited to be uh, plowing through that this uh, spring. And so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. And if you're new to the Bible, just open up to the beginning because that's where it's at, okay? Um, but welcome. Glad you guys are here. My name is Stan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And I'm thankful you guys braved the conditions. It was kind of fun seeing Luke scramble a little bit. Uh, uh, we had a lot of chairs set up initially, and then we got word that the ice was coming, and so we tore them down. And then we had to ask the worker, we're like, actually, can we set those back up again? Uh, and so, But we're all here today. Uh, obviously, this is still our transition location. We're excited. And if Luke didn't make it clear, we really would covet your prayers for that building uh, because we don't have this place rented for next week. And so it is building or bust, okay? Uh, and so... We'll let you know what bus looks like if those prayers aren't answered, uh, but uh, Lord willing, we'll be in that space next week. But we love college towns. I personally love uh, being in uh, the kind of the college setting. A lot of my ministry has been spent as a college pastor, and so working on secular campuses, you're going to run into students and some faculty that are opposed to God. Uh, in fact, you might run into some that are like adamantly opposed to God. Uh, it is, is crazy. But where you don't expect to, to face such opposition is at your local McDonald's. Let me explain, okay? So I was at uh, McDonald's. When we first got to Missouri, maybe some of you have heard this, but first got to Missouri, I went to McDonald's and I was using their free Wi-Fi, might have had myself a sandwich, and I'm just sitting there uh, at a table working. I've got a meeting coming up, and so I thought, I'll kill a little bit of time. And I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, in what is a pretty empty McDonald's, an older gentleman comes and sits down, like, uncomfortably close to me. And I'm looking at a vacant restaurant, I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden, not just him, but, like, another older gentleman comes and sits next to me. And then another, another. And pretty soon, I am surrounded by guys not my age who I didn't necessarily ask to sit with. And then I realize, I'm like, oh, like, this is your regular meeting place, and apparently your regular meeting spot, and I am in it. Uh, but I, I, so this was, this was getting fun. Okay. But then they learned that I was a pastor, and they were all too eager uh, to give me an earful. Uh, and, and one of the guys, just adamant, is like, How can you believe in a God? What do you believe? How can you believe that? And they talked for a while, and finally, when I got an opportunity uh, to speak, uh, I just said, well, can I ask you a question? Like, how do you, someone who doesn't believe in a God or creator, how do you explain where morals come from? Meaning, like, an eighth sense that we have that we know the difference between right and wrong. So, for example, we all know that it's wrong to, to kill children. We know that it's wrong to rape and murder. How do you explain where those morals came from? And I won't forget, he was the first guy that answered it like this. He said, Oh, those, those morals are just from society. Society determines what's right or wrong. 
now we're going to have some fun. I said, oh, so when the Nazi society determined it was okay to kill Jewish people, you're saying that therefore it was okay because that's what they determined as a society? See how he's a little bit on the hook? (laughs) Like, what are we going to do here? Uh, No, it wasn't okay. Well, why? Why? And I'd say, because here's the thing. If morals are relative to the individual, we even have a phrase, well, to each their own. I mean, if morals are relative to the individual or even to, like, a society, who's to say that, that your way is more right or wrong than my way? Right? To each their own. And so if I say it's okay to kill people and you say it's not, agree to disagree. It's a pretty slippery slope. To which I was able to share, I said, no, there is a higher power. God, and we are created in his image, and he instilled then innate right and wrong that we have in us. And we know that it is wrong to steal and it is wrong to kill. And it's not from society, it's from our creator who instilled that in us when he created us in his image. Amen? But he didn't say amen. He didn't like that. (laughs) But nonetheless, it, it wasn't a proof solely that now you should accept Jesus, but it, was, it certainly was meant to put a rock in their shoe. And as I walked away praying for those guys, man, I, I just wanted to point them to one of the biggest proofs that we have for the existence of God, and that is creation. And creation, and more specifically in that argument, morals. And so today we're going to look at creation. And creation and how God created and what he created gives evidence that there is a creator. And in light of that, if we are his creation, it should solicit some sort of response. Okay, so that's where we're going today in Genesis chapter 1. And so, if you read with me, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. Okay, we're just going to look at that first verse because it, it holds so much in there. That in the beginning, how he created it, that's coming. But make no mistake, God created the heavens and the earth. Be like this. Whatever begins to exist had a cause, right? So when you look at this shirt, you're like, somebody made that. And when we come to this building, nobody just assumes like, wow, since the creation of the world, like Hampton has just existed here, right? No, you're like, somebody built that. There was an architect who designed that. Uh, we understand that, that everything that we see around us, it had a beginning. And so whatever begins to exist had a cause. Find me the exception of something that, <coughs> excuse me, has just always existed. Uh, everything came, everything, whatever begins to exist had a cause. Therefore, excuse me, the universe began to exist. Science will argue about how old the universe is. Is it thousands? Is it millions? Is it billions of billions? But nonetheless, every scientist acknowledged that it began to exist. Because if it didn't, for example, if the sun was just infinite amount of years old, it would have burned out infinity amount of years ago. Right? It had a clear beginning, and it will have, that gas will burn up, and it will have a clear end. And so it had a beginning. The universe had a beginning. And so therefore, you have to ask, well, what caused the universe to begin? Therefore, the universe had a cause. So what was it? Somebody put it like this. Even if you say the Big Bang, you have to ask, well, 
what was the big banger? Like, what was it? Because it's this infinite regress. We say, well, all this material kind of came together and collided and just boom. That's, that's what caused it. That's fine. Okay. I, let's say I grant you that. Where did the material come from? You would have to begin to defy the laws of science right out the gates and just say, uh, well, it just always existed. No, there had to be something that was outside of time, outside of space, something immaterial, and something powerful. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so that is the cosmological argument that the, whatever begins to exist had a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore it had a cause. What is that cause? God. God created the heavens and the earth. And someone might say, well... Well, if creation, like if creator, like creating makes us a god, then I guess I'm a god because I create things, right? I build tables on the weekends. Let me explain. There's a difference between you being creative and actually creating something. If you bring me over to your workshop and you can say, let there be table, and a table comes into existence, then you're a creator, right? But if not, you're just creative. You're, you're, does that make sense? Like you didn't make the wood, you just went to the store and bought the wood. Even it's like, no, I mill my own, you know? Like, I go out and I just chop down my own tree. It's like, great. Did you make the tree? Even if you're like, okay, yeah, I planted the acorn and I waited and I grew the oak tree. It's like, okay, great. Where'd you get the acorn from? It, it is, well, it was from a tree and, and, and that tree was from an acorn and you follow it back and ultimately it's like, okay, God made the table, okay? Like, Ultimately, God is the creator of all things. All things trace back to God, speaking them into creation. So while we might be creative, God is ultimately creator, and that creation, what he has created, gives evidence that there is a creator. The psalmist would say it like this in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day, pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. For their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. What he's saying is, is creation, the heavens, the earth, the stars, moon, it just speaks that there is a creator. And it doesn't just point to God as a creator. What does he say? He says, it declares the glory of God. Psalm 19. Now, what we're trying to understand here is that when you look at something, it's going to tell you something about who's behind it. And so when you get into our new building next week, please, Lord, uh, when you get into the building, uh, you're going to see some creative elements. We're finally not a mobile church that's packing stuff out of a trailer, uh, but you'll start to see like, wow, these these guys might have like some taste when it comes to design stuff. And you're going to see this beautiful bench that Nick Serene has labored hours over. You're going to see this like wood accent wall. Uh, I can't wait for the big reveal of that. And you're going to learn, uh, you're going to see, you know, Rachel Wise's like fingerprints, all that. And you're going to learn something about those two individuals looking at their work. You're going to learn that they are detail-oriented. They are creative they have a sense of design. We can learn that simply by looking at what it is they've produced. Simultaneously, you'll see stuff that Chris Kurtz and I touched. And you're going to learn something about us, too. <laughs> that we are not detail people. We are not artistic. We are not creative. I, I 
cling to my, my uncle who's in carpentry. He said, uh, the difference between a bad carpenter and a good carpenter is just your ability to hide mistakes. Okay? We hid many, many mistakes over there uh, at the building. But, but nonetheless, you can look at, at something and it's going to tell you something about the individual that created it. What I'm saying is we can look at creation. Not only does it tell us that there is a God, it tells us something about God. And so when we look at creation, we're going to get to see who God is. We're going to see that he's good, he's artistic, he's powerful. Genesis 1, verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from darkness, and he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. We got these fun little pictures, you know, for day one of creation. So earth, space, time, light was spoken into existence. And we learn that God made it good in verse 3. And just the power, the ability as a creator to speak it into the existence. Day two. The water in the sky, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning. The second day, you got the, the creation of this, just the atmosphere. Third day, God's really getting warmed up. <laughs> we're going to see the more creative, artistic side, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruits of which they're seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Now, arguably, I would... I would Venture to guess that by day three, we have water, we have land, and so you could venture to guess that there was probably snow in existence, right? You all sick of snow, ice, some of that? It's winter, I get that. It, <laughs> my wife, I thought nobody d dislikes winter more than my wife. I work on staff with Luke Hedinger, okay? Luke is just, he is anti-winter everything, right? You're like... Except Christmas, okay. With the exception of Christmas from Luke, everything winter is like, oh, it's, it's snowing again or it's freezing rain. Here's, I want you to understand, though. God, when we look at creation, it tells us something about creator. Have you ever looked at a snowflake, like up close, in person, like really up close? Okay, there's photographers taking shots of these things. Allie, if you could just flip through a few of these. Time out. That is a snowflake, church. Do you see that? This is the junk that just falls from the sky, litters the ground. They're like tubular ones. There's the other thing, like stars. No two snowflakes are said to be the same. They're just so intricate and different. Look at that. That's the stuff that you curse and you have to shovel off your driveway. Millions, billions of these flakes. Magnificent when you look at them. I'm like, those tell us something about God. If that's the stuff that just falls from the sky, 
in that level of intricacy, what does that begin to tell you about the creator? God is good. He is artistic, powerful. Day four, okay? Day four, God spoke the sun, the moon, the stars into existence. Okay, I'm a redneck from the backwoods of Iowa. You don't have to try too hard to get my head to hurt thinking. But when you start to try and wrap your mind around the expanse of, like, the universe, I'm, like, trying to comprehend, like, the distance between the earth to the sun and, and just our galaxy. And they're like, oh, we're just one of, of millions of galaxies. You're like, I quit. <laughs> All done. <laughs> like, trying to comprehend the vastness of the universe. And how did it come about? God just spoke it into existence. Fits in the palm of his hand. Are you kidding me? So you have the, the vastness of all of outer space, yet the intricacy of each individual snowflake. What's that tell you about our creator? Day five. <laughs> okay, day five. See flying creatures. Y'all know this. We have we've put 12 individuals on the moon. We've only ever sent three to the bottom of the ocean. Like to the deepest part of the ocean, there's only been three individuals that have made it to the bottom of the ocean. 95% of the ocean is undiscovered. 0.05% of the ocean floor is actually mapped like in detail. There is a world, so when we think ocean, you got the colorful picture of the, like the fish. Like when you think the ocean, you think of like, oh, look at all these things, like scuba diving, okay? This is the reality of what lives in the ocean, why I'm terrified to not see my feet when I swim. That thing, <laughs> that's a real fish. It's called the fang tooth. It lives at like the bottom of the ocean. Y'all, there is stuff down there that give you the heebie-jeebies, right? Like, it doesn't even look like a fish. It looks like a demon just thrown down there with these huge teeth. And so the ocean is just, just undiscovered. We've got these whale sharks. I'm watching uh, Blue Planet on Netflix. Just, it is a worshipful experience. These whale sharks, okay, they are 20 tons. They're the size of a school bus. And I think even if you look at the picture, it's like got something jabbed in it so they can like follow around. These things are the size of a school bus. There are countless of these in the ocean. Yet we still don't even know like where they go to like have their little baby sharks. Like we can't follow a school bus around the ocean and like like that makes sense. We got like the panda cam. You can see the panda in the zoo or the eagle cam. But like nobody with the whale shark knows where it gives birth or how that goes. They just appear. We know nothing about the ocean. Does that make sense? We've done more to put people on the moon than we have to the bottom of the ocean. It is undiscovered. And there are creatures, I believe, down there that we may never discover that exist. Does that make sense? Like, can you begin to comprehend 95% unexplored? There, ah, the endless possibilities of like, what is out there? Somebody go do it, not me, okay? But like, it begins to tell you something about our creator, that God is good, that he is artistic in his design. He is powerful. As we continue in the text, we see day six. And on day six, God created Tom Brady. 
too soon, Chiefs fans. I just had to throw this in there. I'm pretty excited. Okay, day six. No, the, the real thing. God created land, animals, man. Tom Brady may be the chief end of, like, quarterbacks, but, but there's so much that God created uh, when it comes to day six. You got land, you got animals, people are being created. It is incredible. Again, uh, uh, Todd Van Voorst was telling me uh, about uh, things that you can, like, watch. There's these documentaries. Did the Planet Earth one, but the other one, Todd, that you were telling me, can you remind me of the name? It's the Riot in the Dance. Thank you. Right in the dance, this documentary done by, from a, a, a Christian scientist just documenting just all the creation and what God has done. And I know, like for me and my family, just sitting and watching these things are just worshipful to see the uniqueness of which God created all things. But nonetheless, despite all of this, pointing to a creator and telling us something about the creator, that he is good that he is artistic, creative, powerful, despite all that evidence. Proverbs 14, verse 1 says this, that a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Despite all of that, people would suppress what ought to be self-evident. We got a theology of the gospel class coming up, and one of the, the scriptures that we're going to ask those in the class to memorize is uh, sorry, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 uh, through 20 which says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them through his invisible qualities, eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Romans would tell us that it is, that it is clear that we Men suppress this truth, although it is clearly made evident to all people, be it in the, the plains of Africa or be it in the church pew here in America, it is plain, it is evident that God is above all creation, but yet men suppress that. To me, it brings up the imagery, uh, uh, and, and think happy thoughts, think summertime, swimming. You ever try to hold like a beach ball underwater? And the bigger the beach ball, the more that thing just wants to shoot out of there, right? And you, like, get up on it, and you're, like, pressing it down for a little bit or trying to hold it down. But inevitably, that thing just comes bursting forth. What he's saying is, is men try and suppress this truth that God is the creator of all things. Why? Why is there such opposition to that? Because if you acknowledge God as a creator and that we are part of his creation... That has implications. If God made mankind, then he has the right to make the rules for mankind, and mankind don't like that. And so if you give way and acknowledge a creator, there's implications that flow from that. In Genesis 1, 26, it says not only did he create us, but he created us in, and he said, then God said, let us, even there you have the Trinity represented, God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Created by God 
in the image of God, both male and female, and he said it is good, and God blessed them in verse 28 and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over all these things. And in verse 31, he says, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. There's a creator. We can learn things about that creator by looking at his creation, that God is good, he's artistic, that he is powerful in his creation. And then we learn from that that there are implications. Here's one of the implications. Jesus was said, and I believe that there's people coming in here today, that you have a level of anxiousness. Here's how Jesus dealt with that. He pointed to creation in Matthew 6. He said, you're anxious? Consider, consider the birds of the air. Familiar with this text? Consider the birds. They don't store up, but yet God provides enough food for them. God points them to creation. He said, oh, you're worried? You're worried about this thing? Look at the flowers of the field. Not even Solomon in all of his splendor could dress like them, but yet this is just grass that's here today, gone tomorrow. Send you, you have anxiousness in your heart about what's next? Look to creation. That puts things in perspective. Genesis 1.1 is a life verse. It informs everything. It, Job, Job who has so much suffering, his children were taking all of his earthly possessions. He begins to question God and God's goodness. And God said, Job, do you know? Uh, did you create these things? Do you have the storehouses? Do you know where the mountain goat gives birth? Do you know these things? And he points Job to creation. And it didn't take away the suffering. And I'm not saying, I'm not wanting to minimize whatever problems you would come in here with today. But I'm saying, looking to creation, it does put things in perspective because it informs as to who our creator is. And to know that the white junk that falls from the sky gets that much care? Do you not think that God cares way more about you than some birds, than some grass, than some snow? Creation informs our response as those that are created in his image. And when we stop and we acknowledge that, it puts things in perspective a little bit. We got a bunch of, of, of new parents in here. Just We're growing this church one way or another. And right now that one way seems to be children, okay? <laughs> Babies everywhere. And what I think the application would be, I know your kid is up with a snotty nose or up for no apparent reason crying all night. I think one of the things, like zooming out, instead of asking, well, God, why? And, and being frustrated. And I get it. We Four of them. We did our fair share. And, my wife's still doing her fair share of like up all nights, right? Uh, but, but when you stop and you say, man, how did this thing like come into existence? It is incredible like to think of how babies are not only born, but like just in the womb, science, things, connecting nine months later, child. You're like, Wow. It, in, it informs, like when you look at creation, and it puts things in perspective a little bit. It doesn't mean they're going to stop crying, 
But it should cause us to pause and be like, ah, God, I bet you have this. If you can have a child grow inside of my womb, I bet you can have this too. When we stop and zoom out and look outside of ourselves, and I believe, and I love that the, the text uh, continues, but, but we were created as worshipers. We are created as worshipers. It's just a matter of what we're going to worship. Does that make sense? Everybody is going to worship something. It's just a matter of what. A lot of people will just worship themselves. Their, their world revolves around them. Some are going to revolve their world around others. Some it's hobbies or something. You know, just unsure. They're just going to keep bouncing, bouncing, bouncing to figure out, you know, where they're going to, like, put their center we are all made to worship. It's just a matter of, of what we are going to worship. And if we don't worship God, we are never going to be satisfied because man was created to glorify God. And when we look at creation, when we stop and we look, it puts things in perspective. But it's when we fail to do that. And so we have the seventh day of creation here. And I don't have a slide for this, but if you continue reading in Genesis chapter 2, this ties into all that we've been talking about. Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. You get the idea? He created it, and what he's going to do is rest. Why? Was God tired from speaking things into existence? I don't believe so. <laughs> right? God wasn't tired from speaking things into existence, but rather the language here is God stopped, sat back, and just appreciated, rested in kind of that, took it in. And he would go on to commission people. He'd say, likewise, you need a rest. On the Sabbath day, keep it holy, set it apart to rest, stop, appreciate, zoom out. And I'm not trying to impose like some Old Testament law that we got to keep the Sabbath day in this certain way. But nonetheless, this, this principle is timeless. That if we would stop and we would look at creation as God did on the seventh day, it would point us to the creator and in doing so, bring about a right perspective. If we would just stop, and I believe that that would be one of Satan's tactics, is just to keep us going and, and cursing the, the snow and, and looking past the individual to how they're impeding us from getting what it is we want. And it's in doing that in, in the, the life and just kind of running, 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 that we'd fail to just stop, to simmer in the reality that God is a big God and he is over all things. And when we can just sit in that, in who God is, in his creation, it begins to inform our response. It informs why we would march for life, for unborn babies and their right to live, because we would recognize that they're created in the image of God. It's this reality that, that, that we're creating the image of God that would cause us to, to go reach out to our neighbors that might not necessarily look like us, talk like us, enjoy the same hobbies, but nonetheless, created in the image of God, that we would 
want to make ourselves available and get to know people and love them. Stopping and resting and recognizing who God is as we look at his creation. That God is good. He's artistic. He's powerful. And when we, we do that, right? Like if I, if, if I brought you over, I'm like, show me the best thing that is that you've made. I'd probably be digging out like some third grade art project. I just remember making like a Santa Claus out of a cone. It was hideous, all right? If you look at stuff, I said, show me the best that you've got. Even some of you guys that are artistic, it's like, okay, here's what we've created. Let's look at God. Not just the snow. Let's look at the intricacy of the human body. Let's begin to look at the ocean, the stars, the galaxy. And you start to realize that God who is good, who is artistic, who is powerful, there is a gap, if you will, between who he is and who we are. Stopping and appreciating creation helps inform that, and it puts that thing in perspective, right? That if we would just stop and simmer in that. And not only, by God's grace, Christian, do we have creation to look at to help us realize our right place before God is one of humility. But but here's another thing. While we're worshiping, that we have a God who would come and stand in that gap. A God that would take on flesh in the form of Jesus Christ, who would bridge that gap by living the perfect life, one that we couldn't do, being nailed to a cross for our sins, placed in a tomb, resurrecting three days later, defeating death. We have a God God that would stand in that gap, that would reconcile us to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So while we're worshiping, God of creation, let's worship the God who is also redeemer, that would redeem his creation from its broken state back to him. I can't wait to continue to study this, but but we're going to see that Genesis 1 is an introduction to God. He is the main character in all of this, and the fact that he begins to inform our response to him. I can't wait to just worship in light of that. And today, in response to God being a creator and God being over all things, it's going to be fun as we get to commission our next couple to go out and proclaim that to the ends of the earth that is yet to have those dots connected for them on foreign soil, that God is creator. He is good over all things and worthy of worship. And so I just want to, normally we would do communion. Those that normally bring that couldn't make it out of their driveway today. So we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm just going to ask you to close your notes and uh, bow your heads, close your eyes as the band comes up. And I want you to just envision just creation that is worshipful. For maybe it's a, a sunset. Maybe now you've got the planet Earth images rolling through your head. Go ahead and just... I just invite you, church, to envision the fingerprints of God through creation. Maybe it's a a grandchild walking and the miracle that that is. Maybe you're envisioning just some majestic animals. God, we just want to prayerfully just envision creation now. And ask the question, what does this tell me about the creator 
and I'm just probably some hunters in the room that are envisioning a big deer. Yeah, you can do that. But what does this tell us about who God is? And I just want you to prayerfully ask, God, what would you want my response to be? And Lord, thank you that you make it clear in your word that we are to fill the earth with your glory, that those that are created in your image are meant to proclaim that image to the ends of the earth. And so, God, we do. We thank you for your creation, even the ice, even the mosquitoes, all of it. God, we thank you that you are over all these things and you are sovereign. And it puts our trials in perspective. It puts our anxiety in perspective. That God, your bigness, your goodness keeps it all in perspective. And so, Lord, thank you that we can just simmer in that today and worship you in response to that. So that's our prayer. I just invite you, you can just remain just thinking about that. And perhaps there's things that are misaligned where you've become the center of your world. Or you haven't given the creator due worship. I just want to invite you in this moment to just, when you're ready, just kind of open your hands and release that to him. And when you're ready, I invite you to stand and raise those hands and worship. All men are created to worship. Men and women will worship. It's just a matter of what. And so when you're ready, you just release that to him and raise those hands and worship to the Lord. And you can stand when you're ready.